Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, your host, along with Central Oregon's happiest reporter, Laurel Bronze. This podcast is powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. Our guest today is Nancy Blankenship, Deschutes County Clerk. She has worked as a county clerk since 2003, is the past president of the Oregon Association of County Clerks, member of the International Association of Government Officials, certified as an election administrator by Auburn University, and a third-generation Oregonian has lived in Central Oregon for most of her life. Nancy, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Nancy, uh, every voter in the county knows your name, uh, but I bet not your face. Uh, But we don't know very much about you as a person. How did you get interested in elections and records like this? For a lot of people uh, like me, we uh, it was just something that you grew up with. Uh, you know, there was those rites of passages like getting your driver's permit, then your license, then you register to vote. My mom was a poll worker. Uh, have had um, family on um, my dad's side of the family that were in the legislature. Um, one was the county clerk in Wasco County. Um, then I got the opportunity to go to work for the city of Redmond. I worked for the city of Redmond for um, about 16 years, 15 and a half, about 15 years of that was as the city recorder. And the city recorder <clears throat> is uh, the election official for uh, the city. So I had the opportunity to work pretty closely with my predecessor, Susie Penhollow, who was a, a county clerk for 20 years. Yeah. And um, she, um, so the County clerk's office does elections and recording. And so as a city recorder, I worked with her not only um, as an election official, but also in the act of recording real property records and the like at the office. So um, I learned a a little about what the clerk's office was about through those interactions. And um, elections was just uh, something that's just uh, an important part of uh, everything that we do. And uh, as Americans and uh, U.S. citizens and when the opportunity arose and City uh, Susie was thinking about retiring, uh, it seemed like a good opportunity to um, to make the move and and change from um, working for the city to working for Deschutes County. And it's been a it's been a great opportunity. I've appreciated um, all the things that I've been able to do, the people I've been able to meet, um, going to a few national conferences and learning more about. Uh, how elections work across the United States, because every state is so different. Every uh, every state has different laws and uh, unique characteristics that's interesting to learn about. And uh, and taking those opportunities to learn how we can better uh, the system here in Oregon, which is quite quite a great system, I think. Yeah, I got to think, Nancy, at those kind of conventions, you're somewhat of a rock star, aren't you? As you go around with your perfect vote by mail system and throngs of other county clerks, I imagine, coming up and asking questions. And Well, we, try, are- and, we try and relay the praise where it is due. And, and that praise <laughs> is due to uh, uh, former county clerk Dale Riley, who in 1981 made the trek to San Diego County with some um, uh, Secretary of State folks. And um, Dale worked shoulder to shoulder with uh, the folks in San Diego uh, county learning how the vote their vote by mail process worked and that was in May of 1981 and then by uh-huh. November of 81 he'd gotten authorization to do a small special election 
between him and uh, between Lynn County and another county, I believe it was Benton County, uh, that had a small election to 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 test vote by mail for the very first time, and so um, that just continued on um, for various types of elections, special elections. We got approval by the legislature um, to do vote by mail for special elections, and it's kind of interesting. You know, you hear a lot of rhetoric uh, nationally, um, uh, people opposing, people for, and it was you know if you look at the history of Oregon. When one party was for it, the other party was against it and vice versa. So eventually in uh, 1998, an initiative was uh, uh, received enough uh, signatures to go on the ballot. And in November of 1998, by an overwhelming majority, two thirds, um, voted in favor of all vote by mail um, in Oregon. So in this little unknown election of uh, 2000, uh, Oregon uh, proceeded to make some uh, giant strides and and our primary and general election uh, was held by vote by mail and we had uh, you know sailed through that I think the you know you didn't hear too much about Oregon there are some other states on the other side yeah, of the continent sure. that was uh, under the radar but Oregon was uh, sailing smoothly and uh, we've tried to as time goes along add different things to to make it uh, better for the voters and for for the system so um, uh, we've feel very good about being uh, the nation's first vote by mail state. Washington was the second and then Colorado. We each have different flavors of vote by mail and um, different laws that are applied, but it's really exciting to be out on the forefront of uh, making voting uh, accessible for our voters in our states. Um, it's Why? not only easier for you and I, but people with other circumstances and people with disabilities and all kinds of situations that they're able to participate. I think it's really hard for people who haven't lived in another state or experienced what a hanging chad is or what how things can go so sideways when you're going into essentially like a, a tiny booth with a havesy curtain and punching yeah. around on a on a on a plate uh, like I used to do when I was younger. Me too. Uh, to move here and just see how uh, how easy it really can be. It's like all, when all the rhetoric was launching nationally, I, I, I had to laugh. I was like, if, if you could just come here and experience what we, what we have here, you, you know, wouldn't have these fears. Well, I was talking to someone um, from the other side of the nation uh, last week and invited them um, in May, because we always have a May election and invited them to come and see how we do vote by mail. Cause you know, as much as you read and as much as I can tell you on the phone until you actually experience it and watch it and, and see it uh, work. Uh, I, 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 you know, a picture's worth a thousand words as they say. And so um, we offer that often. And I know our state elections director has been in lots of conference calls with um, his peers across the nation, uh, sure. providing information and uh, I, well, Washington and Oregon both have, have been, really been trying to help our peers across the nation in uh, their efforts to probably enhance their absentee balloting process, which would be the wisest direction to move rather than making major processes, process changes during a huge election like this. So with the, um, you know, everybody, big question on everybody's mind is as the federal government has futzed around a little bit with the postal service at this time, is there anything that uh, voters here need to be concerned about or anything that's going to be different with this election cycle than it has been in the past? Well, again, you know, we've been working with our um, Oregon U.S. Postal Service 
for over 20 years. Um, our contact at the Portland main office has been doing this longer than I have. I've been here for 17 years and he was here when I started. And so um, they've got their systems in place, in place that they use. Um, their carriers are used to vote by mail and the volume of mail, although it is large, is nothing compared to this thing that the post office has been doing for hundreds of years called Christmas and the holidays. Right. And so, um, you know, people uh, kind of forget that those are um, uh, the circumstances we're living under. And so uh, don't worry. The post office has uh, your best interest at heart. We are uh, um, moving forward. We've been in the planning stages on each of these elections um, as we've been coming up to each of them, you know, starting back uh, at the end of 2019 as we pre prepared for the primary and uh, and some other possible elections that we might have had this year as well. So, um, you know, the big thing is, uh, depending on where you live, if you're here in Deschutes County, uh, we recommend that uh, if you haven't mailed your ballot by the Tuesday before the election, which it would be October 27th, that you take your ballot to a drop, official drop box. Um, there may be people putting out unofficial drop boxes, but um, what I like to tell people is, you know, your ballot's important in your ballot. Uh, I like to think of my ballot as, as, as important as my um, mortgage payment. And who would I give that mortgage payment to to make sure they got it to the bank? So, uh, Oh, Nancy, you don't just drop your mortgage payment into some random box that's painted red, white, and blue on the corner. I, I, not this kid. <laughs> Nancy, what is, um, are, are there other, when other states are talking to you about going to vote by mail or, or, you know, obviously everybody's interested at this point, what are the biggest hurdles that those states experience as they try to make that transition? I think it's just a huge leap in concept. It's a big change in concept. Um, and there's so many facets to vote by mail. Just for example, something that we can all relate to. Uh, last year, the secret or uh, the state legislature um, changed the and allowed a prepaid postage. And so, what that means is that that was the first time uh, for the U.S. Postal Service that one large agency was going to be paying the postage for 36 other agencies. And so, huh. state elections had to work with um, the folks back in D.C to get kind of this parent-child system set up. Then each of the counties had to design their own graphics, get new um, uh, permit numbers and indicia. And, uh, and um, that whole process of approval took about three to four months for all 36 counties uh, to complete. So that's only one small piece of vote by mail. You've got working with uh, buying your envelopes, um, creating relationships with inserters and the post office and all these different areas um, that until you've done it or have someone you can kind of walk through with, because uh, sometimes you just don't know what you just don't know. And so yeah. that's why it's um, wise to maybe go and, and uh, come and come and see what we're doing. So you'll have a good feel of that. So um, my perspective, as well as I think the other county clerks in Oregon is to, um, you know, slow and steady wins, wins the race. And um, major changes uh, at the last minute um, can uh, identify things that have thought, fallen through the cracks that you didn't realize was going to be a problem. So uh, we're, we're always trying to create a better uh, environment and system for our voters. 
but we want to make take small steps and make sure people uh, understand and that we're not missing something and that something falls through the cracks. Nancy, are there any states that have reached out to you that where you've uh, had to take a stick and bite it because you're so scared of what they're about to embark on? Or I know you don't want to call anybody out, but like, let's just say New Hampshire is really terrifying you right now. Well, the thing that's uh, kind of shocked and surprised me was uh, what is a naked ballot? You know, it took me a while to search that out and figure out what that meant. And and um, so I got a call from a local reporter who had lived back in that particular state asking if we had those issues. And I'm like, no, because our secrecy is optional. We provide those uh, for the voter for their comfort. If they want to use it, we provide it for them. But if they don't, they don't have to use it. So right. um, uh, there are no naked ballots in, in Oregon. Well, Nancy, I got to confess, I don't, I don't know what a naked ballot is. I've... Uh, apparently, on uh, one of the states on the East Coast, if you don't pre- uh, return your ballot in a secrecy sleeve or secrecy envelope, it's called a naked ballot. So, and, and do I'm they just sure chuck it, the naked ballot? No, well, no I, naked ballots allowed. Well, I think there are some uh, rules and regulations around naked ballots. So, uh, okay, yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, how many ballots here in Deschutes County get disqualified for things like, say, like a signature mismatch? And what can people do to make sure that doesn't happen in this election? So the biggest concern is two things. Is their signature doesn't match or they forgot to sign their return envelope. So in either case, we notify them and they are given till the 14th day after the date of the election to resolve that. And so if they did not sign their envelope, we send them a postcard and it's bright yellow and hopefully it'll get their attention because we want them to be able to have their ballot counted. If their signature doesn't match or if they're concerned that their signature is changing, there is no limit on how many times they can update their voter registration with a new signature. So if you've broken your arm, um, if you've got a medical condition that's just come up, if you are um, 20 and you are still maturing that signature that you're not quite sure <laughs> that's the way you want to sign your ba- or anything. Um, if you're a creative type and you've got multiple types of ways you sign your name, we'll take all of those and have those on file so that we can validate um, your ballot envelope um, when it comes back. Different types of elections will have different rates of um, challenge. Um, this particular election, because we have a lot of new voters in Oregon, and we have a lot of what I would call probably inexperienced voters, our level of challenge is pro- our rate of challenge is probably going to be higher than it would have been for um, May of 2019, uh, which is about one percent. Um, this election, it could be like three percent, um, just because we have more people that don't vote, vote often. Uh, or it's their first time to vote, or um, those types of things that will um, impact that rate. So if they have a changed signature, like what is the best thing that they can do? Should they just try to match it to what's ever on their driver's license? Or best thing to do is, um, is to get a paper card. You can print that off of uh, from OregonVotes.gov. You can get one from our office. Um, the libraries and DMV are all open. Uh, so you can get that paper card, print it off and get it to our office so we have it on file. 
Okay. Because, you know, next time you vote, you may not remember exactly what you did. So just give us a new, a new signature so that we can have it on file. And then it's more comfortable for the voters because they're using the signature that you're used to. Okay. Sounds like people need to curtail their creativity, Nancy. Like in the there are some very creative people here. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And that's not all bad. No. Um, switching gears a little bit, can you talk about the motor voter law and how that came about five years ago? I just read a study today that um, it's actually opened up um, voting for a lot of people that would, you know, traditionally have maybe some suppression, like younger people for in particular. And so can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So um, in the 2015, uh, I can't remember, it was 15 or 13, um, but it, be, it became effective January 1st, 2016. It's called Oregon Motor Voter. So anytime you have a, um, an interaction where you're getting your driver's license, a permit or an ID or updating, uh, that's called a qualifying event. And um, if you are not already registered, um, the, well, what happens is you, you go into DMV um, and um, they ask you if you are a citizen and you provide documentation that you're a citizen. Those um, records are then uh, sent to uh, Oregon State Election and they're compared to any uh, records that we have on file. If you're already registered, it doesn't move forward. If you're not registered, then it moves forward to the appropriate county. That voter is, um, or potential voter, is sent a letter saying, hey, uh, you're going to be automatically registered to vote. You will automatically be registered as a non-affiliated unless you return this card and uh, let us know what party affiliation you would like to be affiliated with. Um, if you do not want to register to vote, you need to return this card and decline um, the opportunity to vote. So you've got those different options. And so they are not registered until uh, that period of time, the 21 days from receiving that um, it has elapsed. Um, and so they are automatically registered to vote. If they don't provide us with a, a party affiliation, they're registered as a non-affiliated, but you can update your party affiliation anytime you want to. So there's no limits on that. And it's easily done through uh, OregonVotes.gov under my vote. Um, and that's a great resource. People can find out, you know, look at their registration and make sure it's correct. See if their ballot's been sent, see if their ballot's been received, all kinds of things. But um, Oregon Motor Voter has increased our uh, numbers as far as uh, those eligible to vote being registered uh, upwards around 90%. So that's wow. really high in, uh, for the state. And one of the great things about the folks in Oregon or the voters in Oregon is um, like on a, uh, an election like this, we're usually in the 80 percentile. I'm anticipating somewhere between 83 and an 87 percent um, turnout here in Deschutes County. So we're usually always in the top three to top five percent of um, voter participation nationwide. Incredible. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. Nancy, what, what, along with that, there's been um, maybe more so this year in the past, uh, all these allegations of voter fraud or these um, things thrown out there that we need to be concerned about. And I think there was even some talk about sending uh, people around to the boxes to make sure that they can watch voter fraud. What, as the um, county clerk, how do you respond to that? What, 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 what are your thoughts? 
we just see very little voter fraud. In the 2016 election, I think uh, Secretary of State moved uh, 52 or 54 uh, cases forward to uh, the Attorney General Department of Justice. Um, and I think most of those were um, people that had voted in two states. And so we are part of a consortium called ERIC and it um, helps states. Right now there are 30 states uh, involved. It started in, I think it was 2012 or 2013. And we are really fortunate because the person that is overseeing that uh, organization is, uh, is from Marion, lives in Marion County. And, um, and the organization helps us to identify people that are moving and people that are uh, registered in multiple states. It's not against the law to be registered in multiple states because you can move and forget to cancel your registration. It is illegal to vote in multiple states. So that, uh, that along with um, working with Social Security Administration Death Records Unit, um, they gather data and provide data to these 30 states. And we use that data to um, maintain a clean voter roll. Um, and uh, we don't use it as the only ID um, data point uh, to cancel somebody's voter registration. We'll reach out in other ways as well before we cancel somebody's voter registration. But we will use that to inactivate a voter. And when we inactivate a voter, we always reach out to them. We send them a card and let them know, hey, this has come to our attention. Um, is this information correct? Um, if so, um, let us know. If not, um, let us know. Because um, sometimes uh, a child will update with the uh, post office that they are moving to Carvallis or Eugene to go to college, and all of a sudden, everybody in the household gets moved to go to college. Oh, with yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, there's, you know, what stuff happens, you know, anytime you have people or technology involved, it, it's not perfect, but we strive for 100%, but things happen every once in a while. So um, we just, we use, we have a, a variety of things, methods that we can use to maintain a clean voter roll. And um, Eric is one of them. We use national change of address um, through the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, each county health department is required to notify the clerk's office on a weekly basis of deaths in the county. Um, we, we scan the, uh, all the pap local papers obituaries uh, to uh, cancel voters for the, uh, because of death. And so there's a lot of different mechanisms we use to maintain a, a good, clean um, voter pool. And so that uh, is something that you, you develop over time and learn how to do over time. And so it really benefits uh, everyone. And you know, for those people that don't like to have to contact us every time they move, uh, we can track some of that, but we may have to reach out to them and say, is this, is this information correct? Can you validate that, that you are where, where this information tells us that you're at? Well, Nancy, what are the other 22 states doing that aren't part of the ERIC system? Just, uh... I don't know, but I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to go out on the campaign trail to get them to sign up. <laughs> sure. But there is a fee. So the user fees cover the cost of um, the, the services that ERIC provides. Uh, salaries and the like. Um, and so uh, uh, we are hoping to get more and more states um, to participate because it, 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 it has worked really well for us. And um, Washington is a, a participate, participant. So we're hoping to get the other states that are close to us uh, yeah. encouraged to participate as well. 
Seems like a better push than, I don't know, armed militias at, at uh, voter boxes. I'm going for the Eric system. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's just what, you know, so we, we just don't see the level of fraud that people talk about. I, yeah. And, you know, about 10 years ago, there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. And so there was an opportunity with a, uh, uh, a situation where there were um, uh, some illegal aliens um, uh, with that kind of situation in the Portland mm -hmm. area. And so um, th the information was available and they were just uh, did some double checking in our voter registration roles to see if any of those folks were registered and not one of them were. So there are different things that um, they do at different times just to kind of validate uh, voter registration within our system. Um, over the years since you started working in your current position, how has the party affiliation in Deschutes County changed? So for about the last 20 years. So when I started um, in the early 2000s, um, there were more Republicans registered in Deschutes County than Democrats. Um, when that kind of changed at the first of the year, um, I hadn't gone back that far, but Judy Stigler that I think a lot of folks know here in Deschutes County, she was a state representative and been very active in our area. Uh, remembers back when um, the reverse was true back in, I believe she said in the 70s. So um, the, the, as a motor voter um, increased the number of registrants in Deschutes County, the number of unaffiliated voters rose dramatically. And so as of the first part of the year, um, the Democrats, uh, the number of Democrats rose to equal and then have surpassed the number of Republicans. And that's primarily in uh, the, the Bend area. Uh, if you look at other uh, rep districts, um, that uh, the Republicans are still more affiliation there than the, uh, the Democrat party. But in the, in the, the Bend uh, rep district, uh, that has, uh, gone back to the way it was, I guess, in the 70s. So, uh, but there was a huge amount of uh, non-affiliated voters uh, in Deschutes County and across the state. Nancy, how does that unaffiliated, um, as more of these unaffiliated voters are added, do you see that, I mean, motor voters in place now, do you see that unaffiliated voter increasing? And is that because some people are just opting out of the two-party system or is it just, is it going to keep growing? Is there a time you see in the future when unaffiliated voters could become as big a voting block as say Democrats or Republicans? Well, if you look at it, I think they are right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it will be interesting as we move forward uh, to see what happens. Uh, you know, um, some of the th some of the things you hear across the counter, people are kind of frustrated with the two party system and uh, kind of withdrawing from the process a little bit. And um, uh, I would love to see, um, you know, people re-engage and because um, the presidential election is not the only election that we have that's really important. We've got other special elections. Um, like I said, we have an election every May. Um, and so the May of odd numbered years is our special districts and those folks impact our lives on a daily basis with schools and fire, college, library, all those kinds of things. And um, those are very important. And um, 
and I'd like to see a higher voter turnout for those types of elections. So, and that those types of election party doesn't matter. The only time party matters for which ballots you're going to receive is the May of an even numbered year, which is our primary. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the tendency right now is uh, more uh, non-affiliated voters. So it will be interesting to see what happens over time. I'm wondering if you're seeing, and maybe I'm getting too much into the numbers, but do, do a larger percentage of non-affiliated voters sit elections out? Is that something you know? Like as a body, do will you see like 50% attrition, whereas Republicans or Democrats are only going to be 30% non-participation? I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I'm not okay. exactly sure, and I don't want to just talk off the top of my head. Sure. So, I do know that um, as the population here in Deschutes County is growing and people are coming from other states, again, other, you know, every state has a different system in place. Oregon has um, been a um, nominating uh, closed primary for many, many years. And, um, and uh, so when they come from other states, they um, are not aware of those kinds of things until it's too late to make that change. So, you know, that's one of the reasons that we send our voters pamphlet out a week before uh, the voter registration deadline and before ballots come out. So that information is in their hands. But um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, at least in Oregon we're, or in, in Deschutes County, we've seen such a huge increase. Back in 2016, our voter registration was about 100,000. And um, I haven't looked in the last two days, but we were about at 148,000. So that's a huge huge increase. And a lot, and not all those people are moving from other places within the state. They're coming from other states and they're not just coming from or, or Washington and California. Um, they're coming from all over the uh, United States. And so uh, understanding that and being involved in that learning curve as to how Oregon does things um, is going to impact uh, th those situations for those folks. And a lot of them aren't understanding that until they get their ballot. And it's like, how come I'm not getting a party ballot or voting on right, this particular right. race or not? And um, so, you know, we try and do the education that we can when we talk to people on the phone, we provide our voters pamphlets uh, with that information so that they can um, uh, make a wise decision uh, in the future. Nancy, one of um, the things about Bend is we have such an unusually shaped house district uh, look. Can you speak a little bit to how that how that came about and what it means for Bend? Well, after, um, I can't, I don't know that I can exactly answer your question, but uh, so after every census, they, uh, they go through a redistricting at the federal level and at the state level. And um, 10 years ago or nine years ago, uh, the legislature is the one that uh, created the house and Senate district lines. Right. I think 10 years before that, um, they could not come to an agreement. So then it went to the Secretary of State to draw the lines. So in either case, it's, it's either the legislature or the Secretary of State. That's the current law. And they have to follow some parameters. And sometimes the parameters look kind of interesting, or I should say they're kind of followed in an interesting manner. Um, because one I'm would not, say it was even political. I'm not, I'm not 
Um, I just know that when it comes to my level and then I have to draw lines um, for precincts, um, what I try and do is I try and follow major roads, uh, boundaries of uh, tax lots. I do. I know I have several districts that uh, uh, special districts that go right through some people's houses because of how lots have been created. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, like in the Redmond area, I tried to um, follow a specific like 27th Street has be, uh, had become kind of an ulterior arterial collector, uh, like 27th Street is here in Bend, and, and use those major uh, uh, divisions that people are well aware of uh, to kind of de delineate the precinct lines. And so that's kind of what I use uh, or have used to try and uh, modify some of those uh, uh, precinct lines. And precincts have, used to have a, a limit of 5,000. That limit's been uh, increased to 10,000. Um, I don't think we have any that are larger than maybe six or 7,000 um, in the 50 precincts we have in Deschutes County. But there are a couple lines that I know you're referring to that uh, one kind of looks like a dog's tail, but. Yeah, or a donut or, you know. <laughs> So, uh, people just get creative, I think. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, so, Nancy, we're we're at the close of our time uh, for the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say to readers, listeners about the voting process or your role in particular? Um, well, we're excited to be working through the 2020 general election. Uh, if people have questions, please contact us. We're their trusted source, their county clerk's office, or the state elections. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of information on the internet, and uh, not all of it is true or accurate. And we want you to have the right information. We want you to know what the processes are. And in the past, I've done lots of tours for people to show them how the process works in this um, world of COVID. I'm not able to really do that like I'd like to, um, because uh, when people come in and see what we do, all the checks and balances, all the checks and balances with the ballots and the voter IDs and the ballot ID numbers and how we process the ballots when they come back to make sure that they're safe and confidential and secure. I've never had anyone feel um, uh, less excited about the process. They've all always felt more confident about the process. So we do have a really good system here in Oregon and I'm not gonna say that we're perfect, but we do have a really good system in, in Oregon that we have been doing for the last 20 plus years. And if you do have questions, please contact your county clerk's office. We wanna be sure that you have the right information and we wanna be sure that we get your ballot into your hands. Those are going to be mailed out um, <clears throat> next Wednesday. I'll be escorting our ballots from our inserter to the post office on Wednesday. And we work with the post office, our inserter works with the post office. So they're what's called delivery ready. So they don't have to go to Portland to be sorted. They're pre-sorted and ready to be delivered, delivered locally. So that's why we can get your ballots into your hands uh, usually before the weekend. Some, some folks, depending on, you know, if they have a PO box at the Bend post office, probably get their ballots that day. So, uh, and then our drop sites are, will all be opening on uh, Friday, October 16th. And again, if you haven't got your ballot in the mail before uh, or by Tuesday, October 27th, please take it to a drop site because we do want to count it. 
Nancy, thank you for taking your time. I, I feel blessed to have somebody like you guarding our votes here in, in our county. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, sometime you're going to have to come with your camera and do a tour and then we can show everybody how it works. That'd be great. That would yeah. be great. Well, this has been the Ben Don't Break podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.